Thank you for joining us today as we come together and worship God through song and through studying his word. Please stand with me if you are able while we come together and sing. Your holy name. 
Please be seated. It is good to be in, in God's house. We get to worship. Uh, we get to, there's a lot of things today that we get to do, but we want to focus on God's Word. As we, as we do this, uh, just a couple of things I want to make, uh, announcements that I want to make. We're going to be ringing as a church the bells out at Walmart for Salvation Army this Friday and Saturday. The sign-up sheets are out there. Uh, if you haven't done that before, it doesn't look like the most exciting job, I guess, when you walk past it. But, but to do it and to be able to greet people with a Merry Christmas and to, to watch them help other people out, there's a joy in that. And so if you haven't signed up for that, we would encourage you to do so and, and sign up on the sheets are out there by the, I think they're actually out here and they're out here. And if you sign it, somebody else signs, well, somebody's going to call you and, and make that known that we have, we need to make some changes on there. So... So be aware of those things. We'll do ring the bells. And then if you, we have another opportunity on the 24th. I think it's from 8 to noon that we actually ring the bells over here at the bank. And I don't know how that works because I've never rung there. And so want to do that as they're, as they're getting money or giving money, putting money in. And I suspect on the 24th they're pulling more out than they're putting in. <laughs> so so um, hit them up on the way out. So encourage you to do that. Also, next Sunday after church, when we get all done with things, we're going to have a, a church-wide celebration, I think is what we're calling it. That's, that's Kim's, Kim's kind of in charge of that. And what we're going to do is we're going to leave here. We're going, to fin- we're going to do everything that we do this Sunday. We're going to do it next Sunday. And then after we get done here, we're going to head over to the dining hall. And in the dining hall, there's going to be pizza there. Uh, Reno's is going to, we're going to get it from Reno's, they're going to get it, and it'll be hot and fresh, and we'll have pizza, and we'll have a time to sit down and do some fellowship, and then we're also going to sing some Christmas carols, those things that you know, your your favorite ones, what's the cowboy song, Charlie? Randolph, Randolph the Boy. Yeah, Randolph the <laughs> And if you're really good, he'll sing Randolph, and you can join in, is that okay? Okay, we can sing. How many of you know Randolph? Yeah, the rest of you are afraid to raise your hands on that one. <laughs> okay, so we get to do that. We'll have some fun over there. The kids are going to read the Christmas story to us and do some things along with that. They're working on that even today. And so we're just hoping to have a, a nice Christmas time uh, focused and the, the songs and the carols that you love to sing, we'll play those over there. And then you can go home for the rest of the day. So I encourage you to be part of that. But you do need to sign up. Right? Okay. We need to sign up because Kim will stop by your table if you didn't sign up and give you that Kim look that she gives to her kids. They're growing now. She needs to rekindle that look. Bob's the only one that gets it now. So, but, but yeah, sign up for that. that. That's kind of so we know how much pizza to get. That's essentially what that's for. So encourage you to be part of that and, be, and, and just kind of hang out and have a little bit of lunch with us and have a fellowship. So encourage you to do that. So the last thing that I want to tell you is you should have gotten an envelope last week. There's still more left. Okay, we, What we're doing is we're collecting. This is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We've been through the week of prayer. Hopefully you've been through that. Uh, I've gotten texts. I've gotten emails all week long. I know it's been on our Facebook page. You had the pamphlet you could have taken home to, to pray for those people. Encourage you, if you've got the pamphlet, to continue to pray for them. They don't mind you praying past this week, okay? They would probably appreciate that. And we also wanted to give the envelope so that you can also be connected to this. We watch this video. I can celebrate. You can celebrate if you've given because your gift made this possible to happen. And that's what your gift this year makes possible. The videos we're going to watch next year, those things are going to go on. So this is our the eighth day video that we're going to watch. And then afterwards, I believe we have the Advent lighting. Or we have a special music. Is that right? Anyway, whatever happens afterward. Let's watch the video. The places we go in North Africa. If you walked out the door and you said, I want to go find a Christian today, you would have to meet 33,000 people plus before you would meet a Christian. 
And I climbed up on the wall, and there was this humongous cemetery. And I thought to myself, 0.01% of the people in that cemetery is in heaven today. I came back and I showed that picture to my church. I said, church, we've got to go. Henderson had not even taken an actual mission trip. So we put a team together, began to study the unreached people groups, ended up going to Europe where there are 500,000 North Africans all over the city. IMB took us to the church that we partner with now, and they were already reaching out to Muslims, and they made us better. We were able to open our first school in North Africa to see people come to faith, disciple them, and to see church planted. The nations could be reached within our lifetime, and so that became really exciting for us to be part of that, and we kept making trip after trip after trip. My eyes were completely open. This is what heaven will look like. Languages, cultures, for us to be obedient, that means we can go, we can actually go and do it. We have a pastor from the Middle East. His services are being watched literally all over the world. He is seeing people come to faith all the time. The Great Commission says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you to do. Being obedient, it's hard, it's difficult, has propelled us to the ends of the earth. Aloha. Thank you for taking the time today to join together in day two of our week of prayer. Will you please join with me as we ask for God's hand to move in the work in the field. Father, as the King of creation and as the Sovereign Lord, we recognize and rest in your majesty and your glory. Today we come to you into your holy presence in the name of our Lord Jesus with our request for your will to be fulfilled through our prayers. We petition you for the people of North Africa and the Middle East. Father, first we ask that you would call out more pastors and leaders and churches to engage your mission of reaching the many people groups within the North Africa Middle Eastern People's Affinity Group that's scattered across the globe. We ask that you would empower these called out ones with courage and wisdom and making the gospel of Jesus Christ known among these people groups and for their hearts and minds to be receptive to the message of the gospel. Please call out more churches to the work in your kingdom's fields, Father. We praise you for the faithful workers currently in the field, but we ask that you would call out more to come alongside of them. Father, we also ask that you would call out more men and women as long-term missionary personnel. Fill them with your strength to endure the challenges that may seem to be in front of them, that they may faithfully respond to your call, unhindered, to take the message of Christ's redemptive work to the unreached of our world. We know that you specifically call us to ministry, so we ask that you would bring more to your fields to labor for your purpose and for your glory. Finally, we ask that you would empower your church to carry the light of the gospel, faithfully from our own homes and neighborhoods to the ends of the earth. We ask that you would allow the gospel to break down barriers that keep so many from hearing the message and that you would allow the gospel message to penetrate through culture and challenge to bring countless numbers to faith in Christ. We pray for the salvation of these people groups. Now, Father, we ask these things knowing that you instruct us to pray and to ask of you that your perfect will may be fulfilled. So we ask these things of you now, with reverence, but with anticipation of your name being glorified in the peoples of North Africa and the Middle East. We praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. The word advance comes from the Latin word that means coming, worldwide basically.
Centuries the church has celebrated the four week of Lent season by lighting candles in a wreath and <coughs> reflecting on the coming of Jesus as told in the scripture. The circle of the wreath represents God's never ending love for us. The evergreen represents Christ's gift of eternal life and the candles announce Jesus as the light of the world. The first candle is the candle of hope. The second candle is the candle of peace. The verse tells us that Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. The word peace is the Hebrew word shalom, which means completeness or well-being. Jesus did not come just to end wars, but to, but to make us complete by saving us from our sinfulness. All we have to do is trust Jesus as the Son of God who came to save us, and we will have the peace or shalom of God. Read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 3, 4, and 5. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your son Jesus who came to be the Prince of Peace and to save us from our sinfulness. Help us to trust in Jesus to make us complete and to share the peace of Jesus with one another. I stand amazed in the breath. 
of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned All right, it is good to be here, good to have you guys online. We are, in the month of December, we're doing the Advent lighting and, and the candles and the reading of the Scripture. We're singing some of the Christmas carols. I'm reminded as I read an article not too long ago that, that actually alluded to the fact that even though we go to church, we'd have a hard time reciting the Christmas story. And, and so I was reminded, of a friend that I went to college with re reminded me that sometimes we try to be 
we as preachers try to be clever. Okay, what can I do this year with the Christmas story that I didn't do last year? And, and so sometimes we get caught up in that. And, and in its essence, we, we need to know the story. We need to know the story of the birth of our Savior and, and all of the things that are around it. There's a lot of depth in, in that story. It's more than a babe was born in a manger. There's more to that story. And there's, it's a story that's a long time coming. It's a story that's a long time coming. And, and so what we're going to look at for this Christmas season is the prophecy um, of the Christmas story. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew here as we, we open up here. We're going to be in Matthew. And what I found interesting when I'm looking at Matthew is, and I pulled it up you know, because I can do that on my computer and do the search thing, is that, that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, so is Luke. Luke comes from a little bit different, and Mark just leaves the story out. John comes a little bit different. But what we see is that, that um, Matthew... No bones about it. This is spoken by the prophet. And, and I see that in, like in, by the third chapter, he's got like seven of those quotes. And we're going to look at these because they're familiar quotes to us. And we're going to look at the story surrounding. So here's the first, verse, first set of verses that I want to look at. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. So you can open your Bible. You can stay there. If you're following on the Bible app, this scripture along with the other scripture that I'm going to reference Will, will also show up. And so, this is, the, this is the verse out of Matthew as he writes the story, in this, and we'll read the context of this in just a little bit. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And here's the verse. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now that's, a, that's spoken by a prophet. He tells us it's spoken by a prophet. So I'm going to ask the question, what prophet spoke this? What prophet spoke this? If you have one of those study Bibles in your hand, whether it's on your, on your phone or your, your iPad or, or your Kindle or on, on your paper Bible, it'll have a reference to that. And it goes back to Isaiah Isaiah is the prophet that spoke this, and we're going to read this verse from Isaiah 7.14. So now you see the context with which Matthew picked it up. Isn't that a beautiful thing? When we're walking through the Scripture, the Old Testament leads us to the New Testament. Jesus was in, if you watch the Wednesday videos, Jesus told him on the road to Emmaus, with those two that were on the road to Emmaus, Jesus tells them all about Himself and what's He use? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? They weren't written yet. He uses the Old Testament, Isaiah and Jeremiah, and what Moses wrote. So He's using the law. He, and all of the prophets. Because guess what? God had a plan all along that He would send His Son. He had a plan all along that He would send His Son back to get us. We wait for that. But we get to see that God worked out His plan for bringing His Son into, into the world in a virgin. To be born in a manger. To be born in Bethlehem. All of that stuff. Not a surprise. Not at all. Because it's in the prophets. And so, as Matthew writes this book after the resurrection... You know, later on, as things have progressed with the early church, he writes this gospel and he reflects. It's all, you know, you know how, did, how does he know that, right? Because the story that, that we're reading this from is not all that familiar to most of us. It's not one of those, it, it's not the Jonah story, it's not the parting of the waters, it's not the Jericho story where the walls fall down. It's just a story in the book of Isaiah that we may and may not remember. But the light goes on. Guess what? Matthew's not writing it by himself, is he? The Holy Spirit that indwells him leads him to places to quote. And so we're going to read this out of Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. This is the part that gets quoted. Behold, a virgin will be with a child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel. Matthew goes on to tell us that God with us. So, 
what's the context of this? Because Isaiah, is he speaking to us? Is he speaking to those that would await that, that, that first century audience? Isaiah is actually speaking to Ahaz, who is the king of Judah or the southern kingdom. This is Isaiah is a prophet during what we call the divided kingdom period. In other words, there's a northern kingdom and there's a southern kingdom. Ahaz happens to be the king of the southern kingdom. And at this time, just to kind of understand, he's like two years into his reign, and what has happened is Syria is coming on as a major power. They're not the, the world power that they would be later on, but they're coming up, they're up and coming in, in the world of nations, okay? And, and they're going to bring their evil and their atrocities across the known world at that time. So as we walk through this, as we walk through the context, so you know a little bit about the story, and when you read Isaiah 7, you'll find that there are two nations or two kings, uh, Rezin and Pekah. Those are familiar household names, right? And, and so they are the king of Aram, or the Arameans, and then Pekah is king of or leader of the king of the, the northern kingdom or Israel at that time. They want Judah and Ahaz to join with them against the Assyrians. That's what they want. They want them to join together. Well, Ahaz doesn't want to do that. So if you're not going to do that, then guess what? We're going to come down, mow you down, we're going to take over your country, and we're going to put a guy in that we like. It's world politics now, right? Okay, so this is what's going to happen. We're going to displace you. We're going to take you out of the throne and we're going to put in a guy that is going to do what we want done. And so if you're Ahaz, it's two against one, right? Two against one. That's not, those are usually not good odds. And so he's outside of Jerusalem at the, the conduit of, the, the, of his water supply. It's a place that plays into hand later on in the book of Isaiah. We, we've looked at the seventh chapter. We looked at the later chapter when the conduit comes because Hezekiah comes out there at that time and we see the difference between the two. So Ahaz comes out there and God sends Isaiah and his son. Isn't that amazing? Because Ahaz is out there. He doesn't think anybody knows what he's doing. At least, I mean, he's court. He didn't know that Isaiah knows. And all of a sudden, Isaiah shows up. And Isaiah is God's spokesman, right? He's God's prophet. God speaks to Isaiah. Isaiah speaks to the people. God sent Isaiah out. Isaiah speaks to Isaiah. Or God speaks to Isaiah. And Isaiah speaks to Ahaz. And he says, I know that you're concerned about Rezin and Pekah. But they are two smoldering firebrands. What is that? That means that they're, uh, they're, they're, uh, they've got a short lifespan. They're about to go out. You think that they're a burning fire, but what they have to burn is only this long. It's a short wick that they've got to burn. And, and as a matter of fact, Isaiah says, as God delivers the word to Isaiah, Isaiah says, they won't last long at all. And you need to put your trust in me. You need to put your trust in me. Ask for a sign. Of course, Ahaz in the story, he acts all righteous and says, no, I'm not going to ask for a sign. Why is that? Well, the Scripture tells us his mind was already made up. He'd reached out to, to the Assyrian army for help. And that didn't turn out so good. I'm just going to tell you, when you turn away from God and you go someplace else for help, it's not going to work to your advantage. And it didn't work for, to, to Ahaz's advantage to reach out. And as a matter of fact, as he rejects God's help, when we say no to God, when we say no thank you, we're rejecting God. We're rejecting the help that he offers. I'm amazed. God sent Isaiah to speak to Ahaz. He's in this situation where he's facing trouble. It is a God that has delivered before. It is a God that they have trusted in. None of the other gods could deliver, but God could. And when Isaiah comes out to him and says, put your trust in God, 
he flat out says, I don't want to trouble the Lord. And then God speaks to Isaiah, and Isaiah delivers the message. And he tells you that these are going to go away, and it goes back to that passage where a, a child will bo be born of a virgin. Now, I will, help, I will help you understand that that word also doesn't mean, doesn't exclusively mean virgin as we understand it as Matthew applies it. It may simply mean young woman. And then there's a question about who that young woman is. But in Isaiah, as that, that word that Isaiah speaks to Ahaz, it has what my Old Testament professor called double prophecy. In other words, what Isaiah speaks to Ahaz will occur in Ahaz's lifetime. A child will be born of this virgin young woman, whoever it might be referencing, and that child, before that child is eating solid food, those two nations will be gone. They got carried away. We read the history. It happens. They, they wore smoldering firebrands as God referred to them because guess what? God knows the truth about them. God knows the truth about them. So that's the context of this. They could have, Ahaz could have chosen to reject, and that's a reference to ruin. When we reject God, what should we expect? We should expect ruin. We should expect problems. And when we choose to put our trust in God, we should expect salvation. And that's exactly what Isaiah offered to Ahaz. That's what God offered to Ahaz through Isaiah. Here it is. God spoke to me standing in front of you. You can choose ruin or you can choose salvation. He could choose not to trust God and put his trust elsewhere, which he did, or he could choose to put his trust in God. Let me ask you, you're standing there and you're his advisor. Now knowing all that you know, what should he have chosen? He should have chosen God. He should have chosen to put his trust in God because God could deliver him from those nations. Matter of fact, as we read on in the story, we come back to this conduit much later in the book of Isaiah, and it's Hezekiah that's there. And Hezekiah did what? He put his trust in God, and God did what? He delivered him, not from Pekah and, and not from, yeah, not from Pekah and Rezin, but he delivered him from the Assyrian army, from Sennacherib, which was a much bigger and larger army than these two could have ever mustered up. And God delivered. It reminds me that when we have a choice of whether we want to put our trust in something else or put our trust in God, it's always got to be in God because God delivers even when the circumstances seem impossible. Even when it seems foreign to us to put our trust in God, we need to put our trust in His plan. And so that brings us back to the Scripture in Matthew. And we're going to read the context of that Old Testament quotation that Matthew inserts into the story. And we're going to see the context and maybe some similarities between Joseph and Ahaz. So let's pick it up here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of, the Christ, of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So in the context of this story, this is a story that you and I need to be able to tell, right? Mary is, is pregnant. She is with child. She is betrothed to Joseph. And, and when I'm reading about this, and you've heard this before, betrothed means that they were not casually connected. Planning on getting really heavily connected through marriage. Betrothed was the step just prior. It was as good as being married in, in their society, in their in their customs. In other words, to break off a betrothment was similar to getting a divorce. It was that kind of difficulty that that was went through. That was, that was on purpose. They needed to be committed to one another. And Joseph discovers that she's with child. Now, Matthew tells us it's by the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure that Joseph quite fully understood that because Joseph had planned not to disgrace her by sending her away. That means that he hasn't fully embraced what Mary has already... Because Mary's had to explain this, right? He's not fully embraced her explanation of what's going on. And so this is the story. And then in, he goes to sleep as he's making these plans to send her away, as he's wrestling with... Have you ever had that decision that, that, that makes you think at night? Maybe keeps you awake at night because it's a difficult decision. What do you do in this case? Because it's not what you anticipated, but here you are. You're in this situation. And you're praying to God, help me understand what I need to do. The girl that I'm betrothed to is with child. She has told me it is from the Holy Spirit. I, you, I've not heard that before. I don't understand that. And so as he is in sleep, an angel comes to him and says, explains to him exactly what I suspect that Mary had told him already. Says to him that she is with child. You need to name this baby Jesus. And, and, and that's the story that we have. Now, see the similarities? A little bit of the similarities as we understand story is we're faced with a difficult situation. Joseph is facing something he hadn't anticipated facing. As we get ready for marriage, we have things planned out. Is that correct? When you think back a few years when you got married, however long ago that was, and you had anticipated this is what would happen, that was not in his long-range plan. Well, then his short-range plan. That she would be with child. That he would be the, the father of Jesus, the Savior of the world. That wasn't in his plans. He was looking for a Messiah, but he, he didn't know that he was going to be part of the picture. So he's, he's facing this dilemma. Ahaz faced the dilemma. Isaiah spoke to Ahaz, God's spokesman. In this dream that Joseph has, who speaks to him? It's an angel of the Lord. It is God's spokesman speaking to Joseph. And let me, let me guess in that in that. In that how many of you had an angel speak to you in your dream last night? I mean, it's not necessarily common. You don't go to, you know, Joseph, I don't know what Joseph did. He was a carpenter. Maybe they had a carpenter shop, and Joseph shows up at their next, work next day and says, hey, I had an angel talk to me last night too, just like the one that talked to you the night before. I mean, it's probably not common discussion amongst themselves because it's uncommon for an angel to speak. But yet that's what happened. An angel spoke to Joseph and told him to proceed with having the child. Proceed with the betrothment to her. Proceed with the marriage because this child is from God. This child is from God. So what do we have in this story? As we read through the story, it's more than a story, is it not? It's more than a story of Joseph having a dream of an angel speaking to him in a dream and of the child being born. It's more than that in the story. We, when, we, when we tell that story about the birth of our Savior, 
Can we tell the story with pieces in place that make us react to that? It isn't just a story to entertain us. I'm telling you, for a long, for we'll he, we'll hear it again, and it will be simply for the entertainment purpose. We will read it. It will be knowledge. It won't affect who we are or how we behave. The scripture is meant to affect your behavior patterns. The scripture is meant to, when you read it, that it changes who you are. Jeremiah sent Baruch to stand on the side of the, of, the, of the temple and read the Scripture. Why? Because the Scripture is designed to change our lives, to cause us to repent in the areas that we need to repent and get things right with God. And so when we read the Christmas story, because it's become familiar with us, sometimes it really doesn't challenge us. We don't allow us to challenge We just take it as a series of facts about the birth of our Savior. But when I look at the story of Joseph, and I see the context with which the quote comes out of that, that Matthew uses, it, it, it implies to me that maybe Matthew saw some similarities to it, not, not just the fulfillment of the Scripture, but also the similarity in the story and the action that Joseph took. You see, the action, Joseph, a, an angel spoke to Joseph in a dream. Joseph had already had plans to send his, wife, his, his soon-to-be wife away. He had plans to send Mary away. He was trusting in his own intelligence. He was trusting in the only thing that he knew how to do. And in that dream, on that night, a spokesman of God, the angel, come, comes and he speaks to Joseph and he tells him of a different plan. And it's diametrically opposed to the direction that he was going. He was sending his wife away. He was sending his wife away. He's the one he was betrothed to. The angel tells him not to do that. You see what happens here? Do you understand this? We understand the story that Joseph did exactly as the angel said. And that's exactly how it should be. But do you understand at the same time that we read the quote out of, out of Isaiah and we understand the story in the context of Ahaz and who it was spoken to initially, we see that Ahaz made a choice. Joseph, too, had a choice. But you see, there's a difference between how Ahaz reacted to God's Word and how Joseph reacts to God's Word. And Joseph chose to trust God. Joseph chose to trust God. And as I read that story of the angels coming and speaking, whether it's to Mary or to Joseph, we have, they had a choice. Joseph had a choice. We may forget that. You and I have a choice in our everyday life. Are we going to trust God in His plan? Because oftentimes we've already worked through it in our head, how we're going to deal with the problem. And we already have an action plan in place. And we figured, we, we roadmapped it out. If I'll do this, this is what will happen. I, I, I think this is the way that we should go. God oftentimes intervenes in those situations and asks us to do something totally different, diametrically opposed to the direction that we were going. Instead of pushing off, He may ask us to embrace. And we have to deal with whatever that might be in that situation. And, and we know that when we trust God, we're in the right place. We're faced with those decisions day in and day out. We face the smoldering firebrands. We face situations in life that we haven't planned on. Tomorrow, something will happen that you didn't plan on. And you'll have to react to that and how are you going to react? You're going to make a choice in the decision that you react. Are you going to depend on your knowledge and your power and your strength? Or if God offers a totally different plan that doesn't make sense to you. You've already worked. This is why I need to send Mary away. Exactly why I need to send Mary away. And you're telling me to go ahead with the betrothment? It doesn't make sense. But God's plan is better than our plan. God's been working out this plan to bring Jesus into the world from before sin started. 
God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. And we need to embrace that. When we're given that choice, let's choose how God laid it out for us. Let's choose how God laid it out for us. Here's our action steps. When I walk away from this, what do I, what do I need to do? We, will we choose to trust? Yes is the answer right now. But when you're faced with that decision, what will you really do? Can we tell the story? I, I want you to know the story. When I read that stat, I want to know that the people of Emmanuel that are sitting in these pews, that are watching online, that you can tell the story of the birth of your Savior. And that you can tell it in a little bit deeper than that. That as you're walking through that story, you see Joseph here? He's trusting God. How about you? I want you to walk through that story and understand. I'd love for you to understand. You know where that, you know where that quote comes from? Let me tell you about Ahaz. He didn't trust God. That's really all you need to know, right? That's the difference in the story there. And then the last, how does this affect your view of prophecy? You do realize that there are, there's prophecy yet to be fulfilled? That means that trumpet in the air, that Jesus coming through the clouds, the whole book of Revelation thing going on there, it's not happened yet. We haven't, been res we haven't missed the resurrection. It hasn't happened yet. Do you understand that it hadn't happened? This prophecy that was given to Isaiah long ago, it sat unfulfilled in its true fulfillment, or its full fulfillment, as you put, might put it, it stood unfulfilled for years and years and years and years. It may not have even made sense. But when God opened the eyes of Matthew to quote it, you understand, what did God do? God delivered on His promise. So when I look at how God delivered on His promise in the birth of His Son, I understand, at least I do, that He has made prophecy that He again and will continue to deliver on. I can stand assured that someday, I may not understand it, but someday the believers that are standing here, when He comes back, will go up. I don't know if you make a hole in the ceiling, how that works. I don't really care. But we'll be in the presence of Him and the graves of those that have believed will empty out before we, the, the living go. That's a promise that He's made. I'll stand someday in His presence in all of His glory and I will worship Him. Now I worship Him and I don't see Him. I know He's there. But someday, not only will I know He's there, but I will see Him in all of His glory. That's yet to be fulfilled. But because God has been faithful in keeping His promises, I'm going to say that it's a sure thing. It's a done deal, as we might put it. We're going to give the invitation. And so, Adam's going to come and lead us in a, in, in a chorus. And I'm going to ask you to stand. And this is a time for you to respond. God may have spoken to you in many different ways this, this week. God may, you know, you may have been reading along or watching the videos along with the, the uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and God may have called you to be a missionary. To, you want to know more. You want to go further. You don't know exactly what that is, but you want to explore that opportunity that God may be doing something in your life to do something outside of Carlinville then you may need to answer that call. You may need to come share. We may need to pray with you as you figure out what that is that, you wanted, that God's calling you to do. Maybe that God spoke to you today in what we just went over. Maybe you have failed to trust God in your difficult situations and you want to just give it over to God and, and ask Him to take care of your smoldering firebrands. You want to do what, exactly what Joseph did. Even though it seems impossible, you want to put your trust in Him. That's what you want to do. That might be the day. Today might be the day that you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's one thing to trust God in, in a situation. It's another thing to trust Jesus with your eternity. He came and He died. And he was born of a virgin. We're going to, we're going to read about that. That's, that's this season. And in short order, in April, we're going to celebrate Him on the cross 
And that's a bigger celebration because not only was he, not only did God send his son, but God paid the penalty for our sins that we might have eternal life. So if you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then make that happen today. Come down and we'll talk about what it means to do. And you may have something else that you want to pray for. Come and I can pray with you or somebody else can pray with you. Let's stand. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. You're holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be don't go anyplace. Um, I'm going to close this out in prayer. And so if you have something that, that needs prayed for, just wave your hand, okay? That way I'll see it. But God already knows that. And I want to pray. I don't know the situ- I don't know all of your situations. I don't know all the things that, that, that are on your mind for this week, for this month, for however long you've got decisions to make. And I want to pray for you. You're having difficulties. You know somebody is having difficulty. I want to lift that up. I also want to lift up the person that you know that you're praying for for their salvation. This is, that's what we need to be praying for too. We need to be praying for people to get saved so we can baptize, so we can celebrate God's eternity for that person, the gift of eternal life. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as I stand here before these people, before an online audience, both today and in the coming week, Father, I just pray each one of them has a burden on their heart. They have, they have something that, that is causing them a, a, a little bit of anxiety, Father. These, it's troubling to them. It's, it, the problem's bigger than them. Uh, they may have tried to solve it on their own, but Father, they know they can't. And Father, I just pray that... Lord, you would show them your presence in their life. Father, you would show them your presence in the situation or situations that they are concerned about. And Father, that they would put their trust as Joseph did in you. Father, that we would put our trust in you and Father, hand that burden off to you to lay it down at your throne. Father, say, I can't fix it, but I'm asking you, Lord, to step into the situation. May that be our prayer today for our our concerns. Father, for those that we know, for that person or persons that we we don't know that they know You as Lord and Savior. We don't have any evidence that they've given their life to You. Father, they've not been baptized yet. And Father, for them, we pray that that might come soon. That even, even in this hour, Lord, that they might come to you and place their trust in you for salvation for eternity father asking for forgiveness of sins asking them asking you 
to be their Savior. Father, may, that, may we be able to rejoice with them as we see your hand at work. Father, as we go out of this place, help us to tell the story and to tell the story with meaning. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the reading for your online audience. 1 Kings 15 and 16 for you guys. Jeremiah 37 and 8, Acts 1 and 2. And guess what? You get to read Matthew 1 and 2. I'm encouraging you to read that. And so thank you for the online audience.